Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Good morning. I would like to begin with a word of thanks to you. Uh, Thank you for those of you who have prayed for the situation with my father. Um, My father went to be in heaven last Sunday, a week ago today. So thank you for your your cards, your thoughtfulness, your prayers. Our family is spread out all over the United States, so the funeral will not be till the middle of July. So I'll still be around here for a week or week and a half yet. But continue to pray for my mom. She's doing fine. Uh, We are doing well. God is good. Let's pray. Dear God, as is often the case, uh, we come here today very full of distracting things. Many things trying to claim our attention and would take our mind and our hearts off of what you and your spirit would say to us. Dear God, we ask that your spirit have the power in our hearts to not allow that to happen. That we listen carefully to your word, that we want to to follow your word not just so that we're students or that we can brag, but so that our changed life reflects the image of your son in whose name we pray, amen. Today is the first series in a six-week series from the book of Psalms. Now, some of you know that there are 150 chapters in the book of Psalms, so you're smart enough to realize we are not going to cover them all. In fact, we're only going to cover six. It's just a taste of the book of Psalms. Let's begin with a little overview. Uh, What do you know about the book of Psalms? Most of you know that it's the largest book in the Bible. When we were in college, we were challenged, if you could only have one book of the Bible to keep in your possession, which book of the Bible would you choose? And I picked the book of Psalms, figuring I'd get more bang for my buck because it was the largest book. Some of you know that the book of Psalms is written in what's called Hebrew poetry, but you're frustrated because none of your poems in your Bible rhyme. Well, Hebrew poetry has nothing to do with rhyming, and it has everything to do with structure. Some Hebrew poems are hard to understand, and you've probably already found that out. Some of you know, some of you don't know, the book of Psalms is exactly in the middle of your Bible. If your Bible does not have a concordance and does not have a fat map section at the end, you can fold your Bible closed, go right in the middle. Some of you are going to try it right now. You're going to open and you'll hit the book of Psalms. It's exactly in the middle of your Bible. I knew you were going to do it. (laughs) Some of you know that most of the Psalms are written by King David. And if you say that, you'd be almost right. King David has written 73 out of the 150, so he's just under 50% of the psalms that have been attributed to him, but he has written more of the psalms than anyone else. 
What you may not know about the book of Psalms is the book of Psalms is the most emotional book in the Bible. It is raw. It is intimate. I'm warning you today that for the next six weeks, you're going to be shocked at times. Because when the psalmist is angry, well, he makes some of the most honest and embarrassing statements in anger that anybody could make. Statements a little like you and I make when we're angry. And when the psalmist is confused and fearful, he shares frustration in a depth of detail that is explicit. And we can relate to getting fearful and confused and feeling that way. When the psalmist is sad or in mourning, the level of hurt that he expresses makes us extremely uncomfortable. And yet we can relate because we felt that too when we're sad or in mourning. And when the psalmist is happy, I mean, he's just over the moon happy. He, we would say he's overdoing it just like you and I overdo it when we're happy. And that's why people point us to the Psalms so regularly. That's where we go to find what we're feeling. And so many of us return to the book of Psalms over and over, again and again, so that by now some of the Psalms are memorized, they're well-known, and they're well-loved. Why read and study the book of Psalms? Well, there's some, some good reasons and some bad reasons. The bad reasons first, don't read the book of Psalms to impress God with your knowledge or your words. It won't work. Even if you do study the book of Psalms and you increase your knowledge and your learning, God is not impressed. Do not go to the book of Psalms to repeat back somebody else's words and insincerely claim them as your own. It's not going to work. But if you're willing to get honest and you're willing to get gritty and you're brave enough to face yourself where you are, pick yourself up from where you are and move on and mature, the Psalms can help you do that, perhaps more than any other book. Third point of introduction, there are at least five different types of Psalms. They're not all the same. One type of psalm is what we call wisdom psalms, psalms given for general spiritual insight, almost like the book of Proverbs. They're there to give us advice. Wisdom psalms. Uh, secondly, there are psalms of thanksgiving. Now, most of the psalms of thanksgiving are personal expressions of gratitude. Gratitude to God, thanksgiving to God for some specific gift or some blessing, if you think of the Psalms of David, David was always giving thanksgiving to God for protection or for victory over an enemy or praising God for his faithfulness or for his provision or the people in his life. Psalms of thanksgiving. And then there are those Psalms that I've already mentioned, Psalms of lament. These are the deepest cries for help. Expressions of intense Sorrow, you'll hear words like tears, groaning, sighing, weeping, mourning, and time after time, and, and I really mean time after time because these kind of psalms are actually very common. The psalmist will cry out, and in times, 
He almost seems to express words that are hopeless. And that makes us uncomfortable. The fourth kind of psalm are psalms of praise. Corporate psalms of praise and worship to God. These are God-focused psalms. We praise and worship God for two reasons, the psalmist says. For who he is and for what he's done in our life. And then there's the last type of psalm, the one we don't like to talk about. These are the imprecatory psalms. Imprecatory means to call forth a curse. We would just as soon ignore these psalms, but these psalms are honest calls from the psalmist for God to judge. Usually these are calls for God to judge and make right a situation, but sometimes they are calls to judge a person or a group of people. Imprecatory psalms. Now, in the next six weeks, we're going to try to cover at least one of each of those types of psalms. So just to give you an idea of where we're going. We start this week with our first one, appropriate enough, Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is a psalm of wisdom. That is, it is expressing some spiritual insight to us to help us mature. Psalm 1 is going to give us some advice. Now, Psalm 1 in particular is intended as a gatekeeper for the rest of the book. It is intentionally number one. It's to sort of set off the whole book that is to follow. Now, I have to say something this morning. Um, Psalm 1 is very, very easy to understand. Let me repeat that. Psalm 1 is very, very easy to understand. There are children in this auditorium right now that could preach this sermon. It's that easy. But Psalm 1 is much more difficult to follow. You won't have problems understanding it. You may have problems following it. So, take your Bibles, open them to Psalms 1 as you are able. I will read, stand as you're able, we'll read Psalm 1 from your Bible. Please join me. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is God's word. Please be seated. I've entitled this message today, Who's Got Your Ear? This is the question that we will be trying to answer today. And I have to tell you that there are many sources today vying for your time and your attention. Many sources, and each has a message that they think you need to hear, and you need to hear it right now. My wife and I have been blessed the last three weeks, and I do really mean blessed, 
Uh, we have been blessed with five grandchildren in our house for the last three weeks. The oldest is 10. My wife is smiling because they left two days ago. <laughs> but try as hard as I want to, I can only hear and respond to one at any given time. But that's just not understood or appreciated by my grandchildren. And so when they want grandpa's ear, you just ratchet up the volume a little bit more and yell above the other person. Who's got your ear? The first source uh, would be people. People have your ear. Family, coworkers, boss, friends, church people, neighbors, and there's more. You fill in your own list. And every one of them has a claim. And they're sure you need to hear them. We get that. We understand those people in our lives. But there are other sources, other spoken words, radio, TV news, talking heads, podcasts, talk shows, internet broadcasts, music, Zoom, Skype, Marco Polo, dozens of other platforms that if I tried to mention him, I would show my age and you would all laugh. The thing about all of these types of spoken words is they are professionally produced and they're interesting and they're witty and they're humorous and they're specific to our tastes and they know how to suck us in. And then there are written words. Internet, blog, books, magazines, papers, Articles from living people and from dead people. Millions of words are displayed on screens and paper every day and it surrounds you. Many sizes, many messages. The written word. And the question is, who's got your ear? Whose message will you give the time to enter your ears and affect your brain? And I think it's hard to overstate the significance of the answer. Here is the sermon in a sentence. If you're only going to pay attention for one sentence, this is the sentence. The one who has your ear controls your life. The one who has your ear controls your life. Now, is that an overstatement? Well, you're going to have to decide as we go through this sermon today. Psalm chapter 1 illustrates this struggle for us. The Psalm chapter 1 talks about who will you choose to listen to? And it will be important that you choose to listen to someone because if you decide, well, I'm not going to choose, I'm just going to take whatever comes, I'm not going to be intentional, then you've already chosen. Two sources mentioned in Psalm 1. One source is righteous, one source is wicked. One source is consistent, the other changes because opinions always change. One source brings the prospect of blessing. The other brings the certainty of judgment. Now, it's very easy for us to see ourselves in Psalm 1. In fact, we should see ourselves in Psalm 1. Psalm 1 starts out this way. Blessed is the man. And the Hebrew word ish for man there, as it is used in the book of Psalms, usually me is meant to express a representative person. So we're not talking male and female. That's not important. What they're saying is this could be you. Blessed is the man could be easily translated or understood for us. Blessed are you. The psalmist wants us to apply this to ourselves. 
we all want to be blessed. Well, what does that mean? Is he talking about the covenant blessings of God the Father to the Jewish nation? Perhaps, but probably not. Most of the commentaries suggest that what he means when he said, blessed is the man, he means happy or joyful, that's my favorite, or perhaps blessed in a way that you are showered with favor and benefits. My guess is if you're here this morning, you would like to be blessed. So here's how to be blessed. First, the psalmist lists some negatives to avoid, and shortly he'll talk about the positives to pursue. So there are some negative sources that are mentioned first. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Walk. That's a, a common word picture used by all of us to describe how we live in life, our walk of life, our daily walk. We, we're all moving forward. Walking is a common language uh, representing how we live. And so as we live, as we walk, notice that there will be people who will want to give us counsel. Nearly everywhere we go, someone will have counsel for you. Rarely is that counsel 100% for your benefit. Usually it's for their benefit as well. So you're walking, people want to give you counsel, and this says you're walking in the counsel of the wicked. Who are the wicked? The wicked represents this world that we live in today. This general system, our society, our culture, and our society and our culture are anti-God, and they are broken. But it's also loud, and it's persuasive. So we all walk through this world. As we walk through this world, the psalmist says, don't take the counsel of the wicked. Keep moving. Remember where you're headed. This earth isn't your home. Heaven is your home. You're just passing through. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Secondly, nor stand in the way of sinners. So in my walk in life, there are going to be times when I'm going to want to stop and listen. It seems unavoidable. I, oh, it's just for a second. Uh, and when we stop and listen for a second, we stand. And we stand in the path that we're supposed to be moving on, but we stop and we listen. It says sometimes we listen in the way of Sinners. Oh, it's not that we have a plan to participate with them. We just, we just want to hear them. We mean to keep moving, but we get a little delayed. After all, the message they're sharing is so interesting. Did you hear what they said? The psalmist goes on to warn us, don't do it. The end is no good. And then he goes on, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Notice the posture that we've now taken. We're sitting down. We're not passing through anymore. We're now willing to identify with those with whom we are seated. There's no longer any intention, at least for the time being, of moving on. And notice the new description given to the speaker. Sit in the seat of the scoffers. Now, scoffers are not necessarily the greatest sinners, but they are perhaps the ones farthest from repentance. 
A scoffer is a person who usually has great passion. He's involved emotionally. And a scoffer has decided they do not want God's way or anything to do with God's way, and they will scoff anyone who follows God's way, and anything about it will be scorned. Do not sit in the seat of the scoffers. The three negative sources that we are to avoid. Now the positive source is spelled out, verse 2. But his delight, who's his? The man who is blessed. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. His source, the positive source, is God's law. In fact, that's not just his source. It says it's his delight. He doesn't sit around and wait for God's law to come to him. He pursues it. He searches for it. He looks for it. And when he finds it, he meditates on it day and night. Now, what is God's law? Is it some ancient scroll that the psalmist had limited access to that he's willing to share with us? No. God's law is what we have right in front of us. It's right here. We have God's law. It is God's revelation to us. God is willing to share himself with us. It's not just the Ten Commandments. It's not just the Old Testament. It's not just the the Torah. But it's all that we have of God's law. And we can hold it. And it's all around us. It's on the radio. It's on the internet. It's on podcasts. It's in the music that we listen to. Yes, it's in books. And then it says, this person delights in God's law. Well, what does that mean, to delight in God's law? If I gave you four hours of free time this afternoon that you could do anything you wanted, how would you use that time? Chances are that gives me an indication of what you delight in. Who you delight in. What activities you delight in. The blessed person in Psalm 1 says, I can't get enough of God's word. It takes up much of his time. It takes up much of his thoughts. It takes up much of his energy. And then when he gets it, it says he meditates on it. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to meditate? Well, it means to consider over and over some particular idea or thought. There's the age-old illustration, and I wish I could find a better one, but I think it's still a great illustration about meditating. You think of the cow chewing the cud. He's already bit the grass off, and he's eaten the grass, and he's swallowed the grass, and then he's, he brings the grass back, and he just ruinates. And you look, and he, it's not that he hasn't... He's already taken it in, but he's not done. He's ruminating. One of the advantages of preaching only every so often is I get longer to dwell and ruminate on the passage of Scripture that I've been assigned. If I preached every week, I probably wouldn't have that much time, but I get to think about the implications of the text and how this text goes with that text and what about the applications for this text and what are the lessons I can learn about today? Allow me to ask us one question. Does verse 2 describe our relationship with God's word? Is it our delight and do we meditate on it day and night? And if I'm going to be honest about myself, the answer is no. 
I would guess most of us, when I asked if we had four hours to spend for doing whatever we wanted to this afternoon, didn't think, well, I want to start by reading the Bible. Maybe you did. But if we too rarely follow through on the guidelines given to the man who would be blessed, then too rarely we also miss the benefits. Too rarely do we reap the results of listening to God's word versus the counsel of the world. And what are those results? Well, the results, according to this passage, for the person who listens to God's voice, verse 1, they are a blessing. You get a blessing. And then that blessing is explained in verse 3. It says, you will be like a tree planted by streams of water. What does that represent? It represents life. Some of you know where I live, and as I came to work this morning, I drove past a church that was just recently built, and they've done landscaping. And three weeks ago, they planted 10 trees and bushes, and they got three weeks of no rain. And as I drove by this morning, I counted, and four were still alive, and six had died. Trees planted by streams of water symbolizes life. And then it says this tree brings forth fruit in its season, fruitfulness. You will have fruitfulness if your life is controlled and surrounded by God's word. That fruitfulness will be observable, measurable. There will be outcomes that people can see. It might be the fruit of obedience as you obey God's law. It might be the fruit of your changed lives or the fruit of changed lives of people around you as they're attracted to the God that you worship. It may be the fruit of the Spirit that we talked about two weeks ago from this pulpit. But your life will be fruitful. Next it says, its leaf also does not wither. This talks about spiritual health. Some of you know I got a number of fruit trees in my yard. Every year, some tree somewhere, you see some leaves start to curl and start to wither, and that's a sign that either that branch needs to be cut off quickly or I need to get some some disease-preventative spray or some medicine to save that because withered leaves are a sign of poor health. Its leaf does not wither. Good spiritual health. Last description, it says, and all that he does, he prospers. Spiritual prosperity. Now, if I could promise you today, life, fruitfulness, spiritual health, and spiritual prosperity, if I could promise those to you, would you take it? Well, of course you'd say, yeah, I'm going to take it. That's what we'd say. And the psalmist says to us, that offer exists. He would call on us to take it because it's sure worth it. What are the results for the person who follows the advice of the world and the world has his ear? If you walk with the wicked, you will become wicked. If you listen to the wicked, you will become wicked. If you hang with the wicked, you will become wicked. Well, hold it, hold it. The person who follows God, they had life. Do you have life if you follow the ways of the world? No, according to verse 6, you don't have life. It says, rather, you will perish. Well, the person that followed after God, he had fruitfulness. Do I have fruitfulness? No. According to verse 4, you're like chaff. It's worthless. It's irritating. It's of no value. You're blown away. 
Well, the person that followed after God had spiritual health and prosperity. Uh, do I have those? No, verse 5 says, you are not even able to maintain your place. Wow. The, the results are pretty different, aren't they? The, the hope of blessing or the guarantee certainty of judgment. Psalm 1. So before we end, a few practical implications. Today, we must wrestle with that statement, the one who's got your ear determines the way you will go. Because if that's not true, you've got no worries. You don't need to listen to this sermon at all. But if that is true, well, there are certain necessary steps you need to take, and to ignore them would be foolish. Three recommendation. Number one, choose to listen to God's word. Choose to read God's word. Choose to study God's word. Choose to memorize God's word. Choose to meditate on God's word. Choose to share God's word. Choose to live out and apply God's word. Make your life and God's word in harmony with each other. Choose to listen to God's word. Second, choose to reject the messages from the world. Your mother's counsel that she gave you so many years ago was correct. Bad company corrupts good morals. Watch what you read. Watch what you listen to. Watch what you put into your brain because that's going to affect you. Listen to God's word. Choose God's word. Reject the message of the world. Thirdly, choose to take advantage of the blessings that are offered. Life, fruitfulness, spiritual health, spiritual prosperity. He tells us that we can have those. I'm sure my mom got it from somewhere else. You've probably heard it, but I remember I heard it first from my, my mom. She said, God's word will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from God's word. That's the message of the psalmist in Psalm 1. Let us learn from the wise psalmist. Let's pray. Dear God, our intentions in this just don't always match our follow-through because, God, our intentions are to read your word and we would say we value it. We agree with the sermon. We want the blessings of your word and yet, well, our follow-through is poor. Maybe it's because we're trying to do it on our own, but, dear God, we ask that through the power of your spirit, you enable us to draw life from your word, to see it as sustenance, to see it as our delight, to enable us to meditate on it, and then to reap the benefits of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.